All right, welcome to another very highly anticipated episode of my student's favorite movie. This is your host, and uh, today I'm talking to one of my recently graduated. Um, she, yes, she's part of the COVID generation. It's what I'm calling it. It's Emily. Emily, how are you doing? I'm good. How are y'all? We're all great over here in movie land. Uh, and I think Emily is definitely going to do a good job of telling you guys what her favorite movie is and why it's her favorite movie. So I'm just going to give it over to her. Okay. So my favorite movie or top two, but it's, it's really, it's really pushed into number one spot is pride and prejudice. Now I'm not, I'm not picky. I love the old one with Colin Firth as equally as I love the new one with Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. And I think Pride and Prejudice is my favorite movie because it is one of very few movies that, I don't know, I just really love, because really Pride and Prejudice, I don't feel like is a romance because there's not a lot of romance involved. There's a romance at the end, but it's just like tension that builds up and up. And, you know, there's about a girl who has these wrong ideas about a guy and then he completely like blows her away because she was wrong about him. And mm-hmm. yeah. You like subplots as well, but that's the overarching sort of narrative that's intertwined with the other relationships in the movie. Yes. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this movie as well. If you, if anybody didn't already know, I was super excited when Emily said this was an option, and just immediately said, "Let's let's go." Um, I've I I so I'm a teacher. Everybody obviously knows that by now. And um, whenever I teach this book, I show a lot of this movie because it's just so amazing. Um, going through real quick, came out 2005. Emily, I don't know how many. You could probably speak to this. So, do you think? Do you watch this movie and think I can't believe this is as old as two thousand five? Because it feels to me like more recent when I watch it. It does. I agree. It does. Just it's the, got the, that the feel. Yeah, it it just doesn't feel dated at all. Like it could have come out maybe ten, seven years ago, and I'd believe it. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes score hit on that real quick. 86% from the critics, 89% audience, which is really good for a book based on a book movie. I think everybody listening to this should at least know it's based on the Jane Austen book. Come on guys. Yes. Um, Yes. That book, that book was good too, but the movie adaptation I thought did so well with it. It's a great adaptation. It, it leaves stuff out, but that doesn't matter because it's a feel thing. Mm-hmm. Hits you right in those feels, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it does. So it gets good reviews. Uh, let's see what's the headline. Oh, here we go. Critic consensus: Sure, it's another adaptation of Cinnamon's fave Jane Austen novel, but key performances and a modern filmmaking sensibility make this familiar period piece fresh and enjoyable. <laughs> Do you, have you seen The Notebook? No, I haven't. 
So it came out a year before this, and there's a lot of uh, similar filmmaking vibes here. A lot of nature shots. Um, and something I, I wrote down on my notes, maybe you could speak to this. To me, it seems like the crazy thing about this movie is that the environment is almost like a character. Not just the nature shots, but like the interiors of the houses and the houses themselves are very active on the screen. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like the music also plays a part into that as well. It kind of makes you feel like the movie makes me, especially when I'm looking at like the scene where Lydia and Wickham come home. I don't know. I just feel like you feel like like sweaty and muggy like they do in that scene because they look that way and you feel that way and the sun's on them. It's a gritty movie. Yeah. For what's basically like a a light rom-com history piece. There's yeah. no um it's you know how a lot of these like Nicholas Sparksy movies they really have everybody look a little bit better than you and I. You know what I mean? I think so. Wait, explain. They're like over makeup and uh, the, everybody just looks hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. They don't do that in this movie. No, they don't. I agree. And I love it. Um, I think okay, so we know. What now? I think it makes it feel more human. Like you and I could be like jump into the story at any time and find a place. It's very real. Yeah. I love it. Oh, so good. How many times have you seen this movie, Emily? Um, well, the old one has, it's broken up into six different episodes, but they're really long. And then the new one that we're talking about, I've seen it once, but I watch clips on YouTube because I don't want to re-rent it. Yeah. Is it, do you have Netflix or is it not on Netflix anymore? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't have Netflix. I I think it is, but I don't, I have, I think I have it on Blu-ray. That's how obsessed I am with it. Oh my goodness. That's embarrassing. (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Some, I don't, I don't really have a lot of fun facts about this, but We'll we'll get into that. Let's let's just shoot into the awards. Did did you look at the award categories? Yes, awesome. I did, and I wrote them down. Sorry. Oh, you did your homework. Yes. Good. On this one, Hannah Mont. <laughs> you did this homework. Uh, uh, the Hannah Montana Climb Award is for the actor or actress who had like their career went volcanic after this and it was this was like their first big break it doesn't have to be their first movie but maybe this was kind of like the jump start so who'd you get for the old it's the climb um i should never have done that who'd you get for this award okay so i'm not i'm not too sure about this award i didn't know i don't know whose career sparked after this you tell me yours first uh i this is this is a uh, a few different people for me, but I I'm gonna go with either uh, Kira Knightley or uh, Rosamund Pike because if you look at Kira Knightley's career, she does Star Wars Episode One, but she's like a she's a sub in for um, Natalie 
Portman. And then she's in Bend It Like Beckham yeah. 2002. If you've never seen that, it's really good. And then 03, she does the whole Pirates of the Caribbean, Love Actually, and then this is like a year later. So to me, this is sort okay. of the beginning of what turns into this really huge career for her. I yeah, guess. like, yeah. No, I think so too. I just didn't know like what movies if Pirates of the Caribbean came first or whatever. Just one. And what about and the I, other girl, the, she, Jane? Rosamund Pike. Um, let's see. Her first movie was oh my gosh, Die Another Day, the James Bond movie with Pierce Brosnan. Interesting. Uh, and then she does Pride and Prejudice. That's like one of her next movies. This is one of the first movies she was ever in. Um, and then after really? that, she has a pretty yeah yeah. It's crazy. She, it's like right she out of the gate. Spectacular. She was wonderful. And after that, she's had a pretty good career. Uh, she's in just stuff I recognize. You know who I did Dune. find? Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, she was in Gone If Girl. her career really that. like took off after this. She's a what? She was in Gone Girl with Ben Affleck as well. She was the starring... Uh, female lead in that creepy movie. Carrie Mulligan had a really big career that. after this. But yeah, a lot Which of one was that? a lot of like now very famous actors uh, had a big. Jenna career Malone, after this do movie. you yeah. you know she was in the Hunger Games? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This was around the time she was in Donnie Darko as well. That was a big startup movie for her. Yeah, when I had I had looked at the cast list of Pride and Prejudice last night, and I saw that Jenna Malone played Lydia, and I was like, "You're kidding me!" I did not even put two and two together. Right. Yeah i I've seen this movie in Donnie Darko so many times. I kind of have memorized her face. So anytime she's in a movie. <laughs> Just immediately, oh, it's Jenna Malone. <laughs> I forgot she was in Hunger Games, though. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I think it was Catching Fire. And I was watching an interview with Kira Knightley about um, Pride and Prejudice after I had first watched the movie. And, you know, you get obsessed with movies. And you have to know everything about it. So I was watching an interview, and she said, I don't know if it was not Jenna Malone, but maybe it was the girl that played Kitty. It was, like, her first role ever. And she did pretty good. Let's see who plays Kitty. It's Carrie. It was Mulligan. one of the girls. Yeah. Kitty or Mary. Yes, this was her first ever role. Oh my goodness. She went that it's That's gotta be her. Good. She's she's the winner of this award. Like you go from literally in no one to you're in this movie and boom. Like she's been in so many okay. movies. She was in the Wall Street sequel, Drive, Great Gatsby. Really? Oh goodness gracious. Oh yeah. She's she is like burning it up after this. Huh. Yeah, she wins. Okay. I think we found our winner. Good detective work, Emily. Okay. End of the overacting award. <laughs> My team is dead. The over okay. <laughs> Who who's overacted oh, in this movie? Who's overacting? I don't know about overacting, but when we get to the the fake category, I'm probably gonna blow up. But you tell me who you thought oh, no. was overacting. 
it's such a well-acted movie. Uh, this isn't you know, some of the movies we do on here are kind of questionable. This one's amazing. I don't. I I I would say that uh, maybe either um, Jane, one of the younger Bennett girls, maybe the Mary Bennett. Is a little overdone, but that's yeah, maybe how she's supposed to be. So, yeah, let's go to the next one. The fake acting. What it? You seem like you got something for this. Oh goodness. Okay, so I talk about this at work all the time. Now there is nothing against him because I love him in the old movie. I thought the guy who played this man in the old movie was spectacular, but I cannot stand Mister Bingley. He is so cartoonish. And so gooberish, and there's nothing charming about him. And I wish that they had chosen a different actor. Well, do you feel that way? I, I always took it as I, I agree. It's a little comically overdone, but I think he took the book material and kind of ran with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, he. Well, he made. Did you seem? Uh, I don't know. He just seemed like. He was so fake. He, like, so I think cartoonish. The book describes him as kind of clueless and awkward, and he took that and sort of took it to, like, a comic level. Now, have you and seen the old one? that was good. Yeah. I think his name's Christian oh, yeah, Bohan Carter or something, whatever. Right. I thought he did very good. Yeah, he was a little more of a high I, higher IQ <laughs> Yeah, like maybe. <laughs> this guy, he hasn't been in a lot of movies. That's one of probably one problem is he hasn't been in much of anything other than some TV stuff, and kind of looks like he should have been a a Weasley twin in one of the Harry Potter movies. Oh goodness, have you seen the movie Penelope? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Oh, he was in that one. Huh. Yeah, I see what you're saying though. He's almost awkward and weird, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, I, I, I do read. Uh, I, oh, 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 that's. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I love, I love all these characters, but out of all of them, I have to say he's my least favorite in this movie. Interesting. It's yeah. I don't even know if that's so much of a a roast of him as it is a praise of how well everyone else acts their character. That's a good point. Uh, okay. So this is a new award It's called what the huh? And it's the moment, in the movie that makes you go, wait, what? Every time you watch it, what do you got? Mm, I didn't have one for this one. I got one. <laughs> what do you have? Are you are you familiar with the line? Uh, I can't. I, I believe it's uh, Kitty that does it when Mister Bingley shows up with Darcy at the end, and she goes, "It's Mister Bingley." No, she she overpronounces the B in this like Mister Bingley. It's uh, it's just yeah. Oh, if you no, watch it, you know one. what I'm talking about. I'll have to go back and watch that. It's a little... Every time I see it, I I have to say it with her because it's just... 
My goodness. Yeah. Well, now you'll have something to watch for next time. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch for that. Uh, yeah, it's a funny little moment. <laughs> Wait, you never said the... who you're... The who you thought the fakest actor was? Oh, I, I don't know. It's just so well done. I'm with you. It's hard to pick one, but I guess if you have to, Charles Bingley is a little, almost too too stupid to believe. So yeah, I think that's a good I'll, way I'll of go putting it. That. I think I think it like that. Like, how can you? How could you be this dumb? Yeah, um, I don't know. The what could have been award for other actors you might have enjoyed seeing in these roles? Mm. I really love the casting. I mean, I know what I just said about Bingley, but I can't think of any other other than maybe like what's his name? James McAvoy. He probably would have been okay. Oh, right. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, the, I read that, this is, I guess, some trivia for the movie, that the director, the most important part of this for him was the casting. He felt like when you're doing a book, and I agree with him, you have to get the casting right or people will just feel betrayed. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to get unknown actors, and which he did. He did. But the studio wanted one, they wanted one, like, star and that's why Kira Knightley's in the movie to kind of, you know, at the time she was like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, mm-hmm. she was blowing up, but everybody else in the movie was specifically chosen. So people wouldn't go, Oh, it's that guy from that thing. And they'd say, Oh, that's Mr. Darcy. Oh, that's Mr. Bennett. Yeah. And I guess Judy Dench was kind of famous, but you know, it's Judy Dench. What are you going to do? I was watching another interview with Kira Knightley and she said that they, I guess they had called her in or had talked to her about playing Elizabeth Bennett. And um, when someone had mentioned Kira Knightley to the director about playing her, she said that the director was like, mm, no, I'm afraid she's going to be too pretty. But then when he saw her in real mm. life, he was like, Oh no, you'll do. Savage. <laughs> Destroyed. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> Oh, which I will yeah, say she's... that the yeah in the old one, you know how in the book it describes Jane as being prettier than Elizabeth. Right. I think in the new one, they did a lot better with that than they did in the old one, because I thought the girl that played Elizabeth was she was extremely beautiful, sure. maybe a little more than the girl who played Jane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kira Knightley is a very subjective kind of pretty. Mm-hmm. Kind right? of odd. Some people mm-hmm. think she's the prettiest girl in the world. Other people go, uh. So it's hard to. Rosamund Pike, of course, is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a good job. So they did a good job. Yeah, this is just such a well casted movie. Like Mr. Collins is perfect. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Mr. Collins. So are you? Are you on? the team of Mr. Darcy is, uh, you know, a, a hot fox in this movie or gross. You need to cut that hair slash mutton chop sideburns. Like, what are you thinking here? Mr. Fuller, I'm going to tell you and all the people listening that if Mr. Darcy was like alive today and asked me to marry him, I would. 
I, oh, I see. I am so I in see. love with Mr. Darcy. He's my absolute favorite. Like the idea of Mr. Darcy or the the look of Matthew McFadden in the movie? No, Mr. Darcy, both in old and new. Colin Firth and Matthew McFadden. Gotcha. What is it about, I mean, for people who have or haven't read the book, seen the movie, what is it about him that you're just like marriage material right now? Um, okay. So other than the fact that, you know, he's super prideful, um, it's just, he's so, he's like, he's mysterious. You don't know, you know, you don't know what he's thinking. And I think it's that, um, it's that chase, like, oh, this person is so mysterious and so like dark looking and you always want to know what's on their mind. And then when they talk, it's rarely. And so when they talk, you got to listen, you know? So guys listening to this, trying to understand women. Okay, here's some nuggets of wisdom from Emily. You got to have some mystery, okay? You got to make them chase. Got to be a little chase in there. And when you talk, there does need to be something coming out other than sports ball, okay? You got it, guys? Uh, yes, verified. Sounds good. Uh, Verified. Uh. The only acting thing about this, I don't know if you did this, but the first time I saw this movie, I immediately Googled the guy who played Wickham and then Orlando Bloom because I would have bet hard cash mm. that it was Orlando Bloom, but it's not. What What else did that guy play it's in not, that played Wickham? Because I've seen him before. Rupert Friend is his name. Rupert. And uh, what do I even recognize from here? I don't know. Start up, uh, not a lot that I've heard of, but he's been in some stuff. Hmm. He just looks really familiar. He's discount Orlando Bloom, I think. <laughs> he's he's a great value brand. Orlando Bloom. Oh, I know what he's will. in. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Have you seen that? Yes. Okay, he was that, yes. that boy. Not the boy, but one of the oh. officers. Apparently, he dated Kira Knightley from 05 to 2010 after the movie. What? Oh, my goodness. There you go. Not together anymore. You mean she didn't end up with Darcy? No. That's so sad. She went for Wickham. We all knew that's it. A, that's a real shame. Everybody. Well, it didn't work out, so I don't even know who Kira Knightley is. She is married to James Wrighton, the musician. Oh, she has a kid, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think she does. Yep, two kids. Oh, how time flies. Um... Yeah, any more acting, actor substitutions you would do? Um, I don't think so, but I would like to point out how incredible I think Donald Sutherland did in this role. Like, I, he was absolutely incredible. You can't beat that casting. No. It's, it's perfect. Perfection. It, yeah, it's, it, we're moving on. It's casted perfectly, except maybe for Mr. Bingley. It's great. 
Uh, 10 out of 10 would cast again. Most quotable line. Mm, I didn't have anyone for this either. What do you have? Mr. Bingley. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. You know, Mr. Darcy's monologue in the rain is pretty, pretty good. Oh my goodness. The, just the, the argument in the rain is so intense. Is that the um, one where he's telling her that her family's trash, but he loves her anyway? Pretty much. Yeah. I So when I show a lot of clips from this, uh, when I do the book, um, I've had some violent reactions to that scene. I've had anything from... At the end of it, there's like this weird almost kiss. Yeah. And I had a couple girls scream like, Kiss him! And uh, a couple, I actually had a kid throw a chair once at the projector screen. Oh my goodness. They were so just like triggered. It's it's emotional stuff for teenagers to watch this. I know. It'll really get you. That's Uh, crazy. Yeah, I don't really have a most quotable line though. They're all good. While while I'm on the uh, subject, though, got a little trivia for you, Emily. I don't know if you knew this. There's a scene in this movie that not only is it not in the book whatsoever, it was never shown in the United Kingdom, and it was specifically filmed for the American audiences. What? Do you know what it is? Um. Yeah. Uh, no. This blew my mind. So if you watch the movie in the United Kingdom in the theater or on like a digitally or whatever, the movie is over as soon as she hugs her dad in his office after he consents to let her marry Mr. Darcy. Uh, what? That's it? The test audience is, that's it. The test audiences in the UK said that the romantic scene at the end where, you know, the Mr. Darcy, Mr. Darcy, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. The kiss, they said it was something that disgraced Jane Austen's memory and was way too, like, smutty, smutty, is that, I guess that's how you say it, and totally rejected that that should be in the movie or even... There should be basically there should be no kiss. Jane Austen would never show this, so they they pulled it wow. and kept it in for America. Oh my goodness! I could see where they're Crazy. coming from, but at the same time, wouldn't you feel so like empty if that's where it ended? I think the suggestion was that American audiences care more about like pretty bows wrapped on the package at the end. And United Kingdom audiences are more about authenticity, you know, wow. I guess. Wild stuff. That is crazy. That probably would have been a little so, a little suggestive if Jane Austen had written something like that, but... Right. Yeah, she just... I get what they're coming from because... Have you read the book? Yes. It's... 
she's really good at kind of subtlety, right? Mm -hmm. She's great at saying more than she's actually writing on the page, if that makes sense. Like, um, like her describing things. Yeah, she'll, she implies a lot of things without actually saying it. And she's very masterful at having this like romance that's not overly sexualized like a lot of American stuff is now. Like Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Right? Twilight is your classic book that's focused on the physical and oh he's so hot and uh oh I want her like Pride and Prejudice is not about that. It's about Mm -hmm. real emotion. Yeah. And if anyone was confused, that's what I was talking about when I was explaining why it was my favorite movie about there no being like romance in it. I mean, there's romance, but not like that. It's PG. Yes, I think that's why I love it. And it's it's crazy to think I, I compared it to The Notebook earlier. The Notebook is rated R. I've never seen The Notebook. It's It's a great movie, and it wouldn't be rated R if it wasn't for one, like, scene. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just love what this movie is because it, it accomplishes this depth of emotion without any skin and really not any actual kissing. Right, I agree. So, oh, yeah. See, Hollywood... Yes, that's what, we, Emily knows. that's what we talk about all the time, is, you know, my friend Jessica, is that there, there's so much more. If you can, like, what you said, that depth of emotion, if you can capture that without certain, like, I guess, Americanized elements, that is, that's perfect. That's right, Hollywood. P.G. Right. You don't need to throw the booty on the screen. Yes. Okay. PG for the EG. Seriously. Straight up. We're sick of it. And all your dirty romance. Keep it clean. You can do it. Jane Austen style. Jane Austen style. Look, little Women's PG too, right? Oh, yeah. Let me... I'll give it a check. Love Little Women. Wait, I don't know if it's PG. It should be. It is. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think Emily? Do you think Little Women happens if this movie's never made? Like 2019, Little Women. Do I think what? If so, if Pride and Prejudice never gets made in 2005, and and it, it kind of. This is just an opinion of mine. I think this movie kind of uh, lit this fire under Hollywood to make a string of modern, smart adaptations of these older books, like 1800s books. And I think Little Women is like the natural evolution of where that's gone in the last 15 years. Yeah, You think Little Women, as you love it, even happens if this movie's not a good like a hit um like do you think they'll make a another one i'm kind of confused well, I'm sorry. 
so little women little women just came out it was it it did very well right right like it had a budget of 40 million it made 200 million that's pretty good um yeah it won a lot of awards but do you think that movie little women even would have gotten made if it wasn't for stuff like pride and prejudice coming out in 2005 and saying look we can make a, a movie based on an old you know jane austen book and it'll do well and young people will watch it i bet you if Gre- that if greta gerwig was thinking about anything which was the director of little women i bet you that's probably why she did it and she felt like maybe that it would succeed and i also noticed i know we're talking about pride and prejudice but I was watching some stuff on Little Women and they talked about how each generation or like each time that Little Women came out from the one from like, you know, the whenever they came out, each of them focused on a different aspect in the movie. So like the older versions focused on how Joe March was um, and the girls were like working Mm. women. And then this one, this 2019 movie focused on the aspect of you know, women can make their own way in the world. Like women don't have to get married. You know what I'm saying? It's an update. Yeah, like they each focus on something yeah. corresponding to their time. That's so true. It's a commentary on what does little women mean in 2019? Exactly, yeah. I, and uh, other than that, I think you can swap these movies out and tell somebody Little Women came out in 05 and then lie to them and say Pride and Prejudice came out last year. And they'd say, yeah. Now they probably wouldn't even know the difference. I mean, I couldn't tell. I, I'd, I'd believe it. They're so amazingly shot. Yeah, who directed Pride uh, and Prejudice? A lot of like... Uh, Joe Wright, this was his first movie. Really? He did. That is incredible. He did uh, Darkest Hour, that Churchill movie that won a lot of awards. Uh, He did Pan, the Peter Pan prequel. The Soloist with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he's done a lot of good stuff. Well, I like his style of, his movie style, because I love those nature shots. There's so many. Do you know, have you heard of something called the Golden Hour? Like at 5 p.m. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, like when the sun goes down and it lasts, you know, an hour. Yeah. Uh, so many of the outside scenes in this movie were shot during that, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it probably takes a long time. And I just, yeah, I really appreciate that about this movie. That that final scene with uh, Darcy and uh, Elizabeth, when that sun's coming over that hill. Oh yeah, in the morning. Ooh. So good. I probably did say what the huh when that happened, probably because like neither of them slept that whole night and just got up and knew that they were each going to be out in the field at the same time. <laughs> All right. Do you think they knew, or was it like a? just a chance coincidence. I don't know. I think it might've been just movie things. Movie things. Could have been coincidence. Just movie things. 
that's basically what happens in the book. What? Weirdly. That they meet like that? They, you know, yeah. She just kind of goes out for a walk and then he is cresting over the hill. It, yeah. Okay, but wait. You know those scenes where I think it's when Darcy is, you know, obviously he's in love with Elizabeth by now. And in the new one, the 2005 version, and the one from the 90s with Colin Firth, I think it's so funny how, like, Darcy will come bust up into the room where Elizabeth is, and he's just quiet. And he's mm. so awkward. And then he just leaves. Right. Are, I think, like, probably my favorite scenes. Because it's so weird. Yeah, there's so much context around it, right? You You... Yes, and when he tells as her a, that... As a viewer... What? Right. When he tells her that he's not good, I think this is a very modern thing. I think this aged very well. It's because, you know, this is based back in, like, whatever, the, the 1800s or something. And he tells her that he has, like, social mm -hmm. anxieties. Basically. I thought that was very cool. Well, isn't that why they are perfect for each other. Yeah, they're both kind of odd. He has... Yeah, he has social anxiety, and she kind of hates social life. Yeah. Oh, I never thought of it like that. Right. I mean, they have no idea, but they're actually a match made in heaven because she is completely you know she abhors all this socialization and rank and class thing and it's just so beneath her mm -hmm. and i think he sees that immediately and that's why he's obsessed with her from the get-go is he finally has met someone who is intelligent and shares his value system of shunning social mores that's right kids social mores and uh, she finally realizes by the end of the movie that, oh, you're, you're just awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you're not rude. You're just weird. So, yeah, they're, I always thought they're perfect for each other. It just took them a while to figure it out. Yeah, they really were. Uh, and I guess that you, you hinted on what's aged the best. Did you want to explain that a little bit more, like how his social anxiety has sort of aged well as a concept? Yeah, so, um, you know, back during those times, it was normal to be, oh, especially the mom. I think if I didn't like anyone more than Bingley, it's the mom, just her attitude. But back then, you know, being of a social status was like, such an important thing. And Darcy was definitely of social status making that 10,000 a year. But he, you know, like people today is no different because he has those social anxieties and he's not good with people. And, you know, not everybody is, can handle the social environment, even though he's kind of stuck like right in the middle of it because he's so rich that people like fawn over him. I don't know if that even made sense. No, it makes perfect sense. When I teach this book and to my kids, the biggest gap they have to clear is understanding 
that time period and how a woman's worth was completely tied to her marryability mm-hmm. and explaining to them how much that $10,000 a year is worth back then and how big of a deal he would have been. Once they figure that out, they're so involved. Like you said, it's so relatable. Yeah. Um, other than that, what's your, uh, what's age the best for this movie? Um, I'd say definitely the, the, what's that called? The cinematography. Oh yeah. That's probably the biggest thing. And honestly, the one where she's, yeah, I'm sorry. The fact that, cause going back to what you were saying about how important a woman's status was, the fact that Elizabeth Bennett turned down Mr. Collins, because she wasn't back during those times, what was she, like 21? She was getting old in their eyes. And when she turned down Mr. Collins, it was honestly like, because she said she wanted to marry for love. But it's such a bold move because, you know, she didn't know if she was going to find that ever again. I mean, she could have just said, yeah, and like been okay with a settled life, but she didn't. Right. It's, well, she's, she's like the classic Jane Austen, rebellious female, rejecting societal pressure. We're getting really into the weeds with a lot of this, (laughs) (laughs) like, terminology. Feminist societal rejection. Oh my goodness. She's a classic Joe March. Absolutely. 100%. What were you saying? I'm sorry, I interrupted. The scene, you're talking about the cinematography, the scene where she's walking across the field with that huge uh, tree behind her. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is this the her and Darcy scene? It's on a... No, it's when she's walking to uh, uh, Mr. Bingley's house to go see Jane, uh, Jane. And she's got this, it's on the movie poster. It's such a beautiful shot, but she's walking in this field and there's this huge tree silhouette. Um, It's just, I think the best thing about this movie that never changes for me is how every shot in the movie could just be a a painting. Yes. Where did they shoot this movie at? Uh, I know a lot of it was done around... England, um, specifically, they picked some some old manor houses around Kent and Stamford. You yeah. know, every <laughs> random nature shots around England. <laughs> it worked for them. Also, the shot where she is standing uh, on that cliff with the wind going through the back of her dress and she's looking out at the ocean side. Mm, It's crazy. Maybe I remember that one. She's like reflecting by herself about Darcy's letter, I think. Ooh, that letter. Just so, so many beautiful shots in this movie so what's age the worst emily 15 years now this has been out um it's a hard one 
Yeah, I mean, it's really aged well. I I can't think of anything. All right, this movie is 10 years ahead of its time. Yeah. It, it is. Did you think... It, it was... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Did you think maybe that Lady Catherine was a little too... Dressed a little too modernly? Or is that just me? Like, her dresses, I don't feel well, like... I, I, accurate. Yeah. I'm not knowledgeable enough about the accuracy of the clothing to know if they were all dressed appropriately for the well, I don't know. This movie's so good. Like, when you got to resort to this, I mean, I think that's pretty good. Because I don't know anything about the clothes either. I just thought. I'd say this. I think that maybe this is a little too highbrow for our podcast, but I think Little Women is a reactionary movie in the idea that it's sort of coming off this big wave of female empowerment that we're going through in culture right now. Mm -hmm. And I think on the other side of that, Pride and Prejudice is almost a precursor to that. It kind of, yeah. this, this was ahead of its time. Yeah. It really was. It's just done. That's kind of why. Yeah. I, when I said earlier, I don't know if little women gets made in 2019. If this movie did not get made, I think Little Women is like a an, an ancestor to this movie. Okay, I got to ask you another question. So, go. You know how? No, I'm just saying, but I don't think you could ever, in a million years, maybe like in a hundred, two hundred years. I don't know if you could ever do a remake of the Titanic. Do you feel the same way about this 2005 Pride and Prejudice? Hmm. I I kind of agree on Titanic. It's like whatever you do is going to be less exactly. than. You yep, know what I that's mean? That's what I'm saying. It, it's like a Jurassic Park remake or you know, a, an Indiana Jones remake. Like it's you're not going to outdo what was already mm -hmm. Everest. Yes. Um I would like I there's a category that I want to add and we could I guess talk about this is could this movie be made into a 10 episode Netflix series or you know Hulu Amazon whatever and I I don't want a movie remake of this I want this made in this style right mm -hmm. the little women pride and prejudice style of movie but in like a 10 episode streaming series okay that could work i'd i'd binge it so i hard. would too even if it wasn't as good as the 2005 one i i just love this style of remake um another recent movie that you love and actually the star is carrie mulligan who was in this as uh kitty Far from the Matting Crowd, which is the adaptation of the Thomas Hardy book. Hmm. 
came out like a year or two ago, it is the same style as this and Little Women. It's like your modern adaptation. You'll really like it if you can get a hold of that. Far from the okay, main crowd. I remember that. It's uh in her came out two thousand fifteen. Matthias Matthias Schonert is her co lead. Yeah, he's been in some good stuff. So yeah, check that out, listeners and Emily. Okay. <laughs> I'll check it out. Um and now we're at the five word pitch to convince people to watch this. Mm, okay, so I tried that. I did not have a good one. Like it doesn't it can't like completely capture the amazingness of this movie. But I said like I said circumstance and time change people. Mm. But that is like it has nothing on how good this movie is. It's at least an intriguing uh, way to get people to see it without giving anything away. Yeah. I We got to start uh, doing the five-word pitch at the top of the podcast because I feel like at this point, we're not convincing anybody to watch it because if they haven't seen it, they've just had the whole movie. I know exactly. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think we can, uh, Uh, I don't think we could reach that, uh, level of depth without, or then without them watching it. So good. Yeah. Hopefully you sold it well enough at the beginning that people would pause and say, Okay, I'm going to go check this out. <laughs> do you think it would be like an equal... Um, do you think a guy would like it just as much as a girl? Or is this a girly movie? Hard to say for me. I See, I'm not your typical guy. I love rom-coms. I'm, a, I'm just a total sucker for this kind of movie. And like, I'm the worst guy to ask. I will say this, when I teach this book and then I show the clips of the movie in class, it's the girls that start screaming at the screen. You know, I can see that. This is kind of a girly movie. But it's just so well done. I I mean, I love Yeah, I love it. It's, of all the movies we've done uh, for the podcast so far, this, I think, and Jurassic Park are my on my like top 50. That's good. I think I had picked that book. Cause I, the only reason I'd read it was for, you know, Britlet. I picked that book because I had heard of it and I've always heard of pride and prejudice. I'd never seen any of the movies and I picked it open. It would be good. And it was good. But then when I watched the movies, like I think my life kind of changed a little. That's how intense you are. I could totally see. Something you'll realize, and any anybody, any students listening to this, your favorite movies when you are ages 14 to like 21-ish are basically going to define you. 
And everything that you see after that will be judged and benchmarked by all your favorite movies from those like seven years of your life. You know, that makes a lot of sense because I, that's kind of true. With I've watched some stupid movies that I just like think nothing could compare. Sure. Yeah, I'll go back and watch stuff that when I was 17 or 18 was like, could have been <laughs> like one of the books of the gospel for me as far as how important I thought it was. And then I go back and watch it and say, oh, yeah, this, it's just OK. Oh, my goodness. This is not one of those movies, though. That's good. It's great. It's it's honestly... Okay, so what are your thoughts, before we leave, what are your thoughts on Mary, the relationship, and how they treat Mary with the sisters in the family? Um, she is... If there's one of the sisters that takes a back seat in this because of the shortness of the movie compared to the length of the book, it's mm-hmm. her. Because, you know, Lydia gets her whole story arc. Um, Kitty is very visible throughout the mm-hmm. movie. Only because of Lydia, I feel like. And I. Yeah, Mary to me just kind of serves as like a wet blanket comedic relief right the whole piano fiasco with um oh my Mr. goodness Bennett. yes yeah yeah she kind of gets the raw deal that's my take yeah. on it i mean she's kind of like she's a crybaby but at the same time i feel i feel kind of bad for her and the way that they treated her i feel like she could they could have done a little better a little better yeah, she's not a very likable character in this no. movie. I agree. And she wasn't even like she wasn't completely unpleasant. Like, do you think she had a thing for Mr. Collins? Because I do. Uh, I mean, she probably had a thing for anything that was a male, <laughs> right? Like, she's a she's you know she's a young impressionable girl. She'll jump at any chance of a husband true um if there's any character on in the bennett family i really dislike it's it's got to be either lydia or uh, mrs bennett not Mary, i agree with you one thousand million percent those two are crazy lydia is uh for anyone who's still with us and hasn't seen the movie i don't know who that would be but uh Lydia is what we today you 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 kids would refer to as a thirst trap. <laughs> She's crazy. She's really crazy. <laughs> yeah. She leaves with um, like the most ridiculous character in this movie. That shows you how crazy she is. And she has no idea. She's completely uh, unaware of what she's entered into. And ironically, I think Wickham is also <laughs> yeah. very unaware. She's of... going to grow up to be just <laughs> like her mama. I guess, you know, actually, I guess we wouldn't call her a thirst trap. She's a money trap. Yep. <laughs> he's marrying her for her uh, dowry and he's getting crazy. 
Yeah, he's a he's poor anyway. Right. Yeah, he's about to marry a crazy, crazy young lady. Yeah. Well, I think they both deserve everything they get um, in that marriage. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Hundred percent. Um. So yeah, I guess we're kind of rounding out the podcast here. It's this is probably the longest one because. And I figured it would be because we're both obsessed with yep. this movie. So many things to talk about with it. Um, do you often... We're going to embarrass ourselves so bad right now. I don't care. Anyone who's listening still is on the same page with us. Yeah, they so have to fine. be if they're in the Do you often fantasize about what uh, Elizabeth and Darcy's lives are like and what... Uh, Jane and Bingley's lives are like after the book is over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have thought about that. Um, obviously, I think Jane and Bingley are just your typical, I don't know, your typical type A people. And they're just married and have a bunch of kids. I think maybe uh, Elizabeth and Darcy right. traveled a little bit before settling down. What do you think? Yeah. Um I I yeah, I was always more curious about what Darcy and Elizabeth's life would kind of look like cuz they're just such an interesting couple. But uh I mean that's the question of every story like this, right? What happens after they fall happily ever after? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Did you know that there's been a ton of like fan written sequels to this? Really? No, I didn't know that. Wait, maybe I did. Many, many. Something many. about Mr. Darcy, is that one of oh. them? Yeah, they're all called something like, you know, Pemberley or the Darcy's at Pemberley or you know, some derivation of that. Ugh, let's Let's re- let's resuscitate Jane Austen. Yeah. She can... Right, and ne- of course, none of them are written by Jane Austen, and yeah, but... I kind of reject yeah. all of them. I wouldn't go for it. I think so... I'm content with just obsessing over the book and movies. Yeah. Well, this has been pretty amazing. <laughs> A bucket list podcast for me. Yes. So thanks for uh, offering this up. Sure, sure. My girly taste. Anytime. Uh, if you want a good laugh, go uh, look up an, a book adaptation called Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. No. Um. Yeah, don't read it. I'm I'm kidding. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's a rewrite, obviously. There's been a lot of just terrible rewrites of this book. I don't people need to cool it. Like, come on, guys. It's just let the original shine. But uh Yeah. Uh before we go, any other movies you would want to do? I'm obviously little women will probably end up doing it one day, but other than that, any other stuff you want to come back and talk um, about? You know, we could talk about Little Women, but I feel like we 
talked about Little Women in this one, like the key points. <laughs> so much carryover. Yeah. So any other movies that you just adore that you think would be fun to do one of these for in the mm. future? The only movies I really love are rom-coms, and I really enjoyed Jane Eyre. I just watched it the other day. It was really good. I was thinking about watching that one, and now you've convinced Okay, me, if you're going to so. watch one, don't watch the newest one. Watch the one that's on Hulu. Oh. Watch that one first. I heard the new one was Well, weird. I haven't seen it yet, but just know that the one on Hulu was, like, spectacular. And it's only like two okay. episodes, so it's not okay. long. I'll, I'll do that one. You go watch uh, Far From the Matting okay. Crowd. And uh, we'll we'll circle the wagon and <laughs> do another. Okay, sounds good. Thank you for letting All me right. be on here. Thanks to everybody. Of course. Uh, for you guys who don't know, Emily is uh, an acting student of mine, I guess former now because she's a senior during what has been like the worst year of our lives. <laughs> and uh, yeah, going to miss Thanks, you, Emily. even though I only really knew you for like, what, a few months? <laughs> this is the worst part is she started acting as, as she was a senior and um, she's actually well, you're, I think I've told you this. You're, I mean, you are a naturally gifted actor, so you don't actually need any oh instruction. Goodness. But, uh, I know, I know. I'm, well, thank you. I I'm blushing I as loved well. acting for, <laughs> if anyone random is watching that or he listening to this podcast, join theater because it was so much fun. Yeah. Then do it now, because every every senior I have that um, waits tells me that they wish they would have started way earlier, and I'm I'm sure you did, especially now that you know that you're good at it, and I hope you keep acting after this. <laughs> okay, I'll try to find places to do that. There's stuff. There's stuff out there for you. Well, thank you. Well, it's been good. Thank you to everyone who made it through the hour of amazing Pride yeah, and Prejudice talk. And if you haven't seen this real movie, fans, shame. real Pride and Prejudice fans, that's who we want on here. That's right. It, that's right. Only the worthy. After minute mark fifteen, all the okay, fakers guys. are gone. <laughs> the fakers. <laughs> But I just want, if Addie's watching, I just we want can, her to know that I will listen that. to her entire podcast. And it was so good. It, it was. We had a fun time talking about the horrific yep, age that's difference. That's what I remember from that podcast. <laughs> it's so weird to, to find that out. Like, what? This is not. And, okay. I, was, and I was at work. And because of uh, that podcast, I was able to inform my coworkers that Anne Hathaway was not able to be the girl in, in that movie because she was doing The Princess Diaries. See, guys, these are they educational. Are. You can listen to these and then impress your co Like I did. We were watching Princess Diaries. That's why. <laughs> Boom. Knowledge. 
All right, guys. <laughs> uh, next time, until next time on the My Students' Favorite Movie Podcast, this is uh, Fuller and Emily signing off for now. Thank you and goodbye.